Oramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. If you've ever wondered what this life is all about, then I think you'll really enjoy today's programme because Andrew Ollerton believes he knows where we should go to tackle those big questions. And Ruth Rice says be careful when going through an open door. But first, let's have some music. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing Alleluia. A very peaceful version of the hymn from the London Fox Singers. Oh, yeah. 
thank you to the London Fox Singers. Dr Andrew Ollerton loves the great outdoors and being close to nature. He loves God and he loves the Bible. He also happens to be a theologian, a pastor and a great communicator and he works with the Bible Society producing and presenting courses about the Bible because Andrew believes that the Bible is the story that makes sense of life. And, unlikely as it may seem, the Bible actually offers a limitless source of guidance and hope to help us flourish in the midst of all life's uncertainties. This morning we join Andrew as he's walking in the Brecon Beacons, an area he specially loves, and as he crosses a lake and climbs a hill, he shows us how the first book of the Bible, Genesis, tackles some huge questions that seem impossible to answer. We obviously live in a modern age of science and technology and we think, well, does this ancient origin story still have anything to offer? The word Genesis means beginnings or origins and it therefore is the Bible's way of telling our origin story. You know, where has everything come from, including us human beings? Now, when you're reading Genesis, you've got to appreciate it's more about the why than the how questions. Science can give some amazing answers to the how questions, you know, how old is the universe and how has life developed on planet Earth? And amazing documentaries, David Attenborough stuff, it's beautiful and I love it. And I actually think it just highlights even more how much there's a God who must have designed all this. But my point is science can deal with those how questions, but it can't answer the deeper why questions of life. You know, why are we here? Why is there good and evil? Science has no morals, no ethics, but that's where the Bible comes in. It was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. I, I like this little principle. It goes to a scholar called John Walton. It was written for us. It wasn't written to us. Genesis is for us to read, but it wasn't written to us. You know, when you open the pages of Genesis, you're opening an ancient origin story written not to people in the 21st century, but an ancient people. They saw the world a bit differently to us. There were other or origin stories competing, Babylonian and Egyptian stories. Humans have always tried to work out the why questions, what, where have we come from, origins, but Genesis is putting right things that were wrong, right? They believed there were many gods and that all of creation has come out of God's fighting and violence and struggle. And Genesis says, no, there's one God, there's no violence involved. He simply spoke with his powerful word and all things came into being. Genesis also addresses humans and says, actually the, the gods haven't made us humans as their slaves, which is what many of the other stories said. No, 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 we're made in the image and likeness of God. It puts dignity on the shoulders of our humanity. You know, every author searches for an opening line that's a killer and Genesis has the most famous ever penned. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's been read in space, it's been read all over the world. In the beginning, God, all life has come from him. You know, compare this, take the metaphor of the sun, right? You see the sun, it's, it's the center of our solar system. We orbit around the sun, it gives life to us. Everything lives because of this source of life. The light is life and we see everything by it as well. Well, that's God in the Bible. He's the center. Life comes from him when we center our lives on him. We only move into the darkness when we turn away from the light himself. His light gives life. This God is powerful. 
<laughs> it's hard to capture that in words, seriously powerful. It's his word. His word is like authority that speaks forth the entire creation. This is very different to the ancient idea of gods who often struggled to control the world. And then they also thought that there were sea monsters. One of them was called Leviathan and they feared that this was sort of some kind of incarnation of evil and they couldn't control it. The Bible says, no, the one living God, he's not, nothing's out of his control. This God has total authority. He is all powerful. He's in complete control. And I don't know about you, I feel like I can sleep better at night when I root my story in this story. Because my life is fundamentally there, not vulnerable in the end to just random forces of chaos and accidents. No, 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 I'm in the hands of a great big God. And when I make him central, I can experience that he's all powerful and life makes sense as a result. In Genesis, even God, when he created the world, even God just sort of stepped back and said, this is good. And then when he created humans, he turned and said, it's very good. And we're meant to enjoy the world. Pleasure and delight begins in him. And then he imparts it to us. And the great outdoors is, I don't know, I feel close to God when I'm in these kinds of spaces. That's why I love coming here, because you just feel God made this and I'm close to him and I can just experience the wonder and maybe channel some of that back in worship. That's when humans flourish. And uh, God is speaking then, not just in some functional way, it is good, like it's past factory testing. This is a God who delights, he's full of pleasure and joy. You know, like, like you know, the moments you may have had when you taste some delicious food or experience a beautiful sunset. God loves humans to flourish in the world. He's not the killjoy that he's often thought to be. He's the God of pleasure and delight, and we can delight in this beautiful world that he has made. Genesis moves on to talk about humans. What's our place in the world? What's our origins? What are we human beings? We're incredible, there's no doubt about that. We humans have this incredible, insatiable ability to explore the world, to make things of it, arts, technology, science, industry. But what are we in essence? Those are things we can do, but who are we? And what's our place in the world? You know, the truth is science can't answer that question. Biologically speaking, we're not that different to a banana can't remember exactly, is it 80% of our DNA is the same as a banana? But we're not just highly evolved bananas. Genesis gives us an understanding that makes sense of who we are. In Genesis 1 we read, so God created the male and female in his own image and his likeness. And it puts dignity and value on every person. In the ancient world, they thought maybe just the male kings claimed to be images of God. That word means icons, the, the king, the male was the icon of God, everyone else was inferior. Genesis says, no, 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 male and female, rich and poor, we're all made in the image of God. Every human being matters to God and to each other. Every human being is a sacred being, whatever their CV or pay grade, that's irrelevant. Whatever their physical condition, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Now that truth, that has shaped our world, perhaps more than we realise. This truth has shaped Western civilization. It's the basis of why things like slavery were opposed. The first Christian, Gregory of Nyssa, opposed slavery. He made the point, how much gold for the image of God? You can't buy a human, they're sacred. That's why Mother Teresa looked after the poor and the dying in Calcutta. That's why the early Christians in Rome rescued abandoned babies from the rubbish dump, because of this truth. 
And it's not something science can work out from biology. It's something the Bible's given us, a theology. And you know, our secular society is almost dispensing the Bible as if we don't need this anymore. You know, we need to be careful not to saw off the very branch that we're sitting on. So many human rights and civil rights that we love trace their origins back to this origin story that makes sense of human beings, or as C.S. Lewis puts it, you have never met a mere mortal. Every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made. So if our identity is made in the image and likeness of God, what's our purpose? Well, Genesis unpacks this by moving the story on to look at one particular human couple, the sort of original couple, Adam and Eve. And some people take this very literally, others more figuratively. But remember, Genesis is less about the how and more about the why. Why are we humans on planet Earth? What's our purpose? Well, three things become quickly apparent. Firstly, we are made to know God. Purpose one is to know God. Adam and Eve are placed in this beautiful garden called Eden. That word means delight. And what makes it so perfect is that God is living with them. It's like a shared home, a shared living space for God and humans to dwell together in perfect harmony. And to symbolize this, God, having made the physical form of a human, he then breathes into his nostrils, into his nose. It's as if something of God's divine presence is imparted to the human so that they are spiritual beings in fellowship with God. That's what we're made for. It doesn't matter how many material possessions we accumulate. Even if you marry the prince and live in a castle and have a hot tub, it will never be enough when we're hardwired to know God. Number two, we're made for relationships with each other. There's something mysterious in Genesis. Right up front, God speaks, but he speaks seemingly to himself. Let us make humans in our image. Who's this conversation? Who's speaking? Well, maybe it's just some, you know, royal we, <laughs> but maybe there's an early hint here that this God is not some lonely, solitary figure in the skies. This God is a community of persons, what will later be known as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the point to take at this stage is simply this. Our origins trace back to a relational, communicative, loving being. And that's why we're such sociable creatures, right? It's the one thing, I mean, God says this whole world is good, but the one thing that's not good in the early scenes of creation is for a human to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Adam needed Eve, we need each other. We're made in the image of God and that makes us sociable beings. And this is why loneliness is such a terrible epidemic spreading in Western civilization. We're so plugged into our screens and our games and our consumption that is so impersonal that we've lost the ability, it seems, to live in community. People feel, even successful people, even young people feel lonely. It's not good for humans to be alone. Our second purpose is to relate to each other closely. Friendship, family is the bedrock of society. But that's not all. Finally, Adam and Eve were commissioned by God to take responsibility for the world. 
Eden wasn't some finished dream show home. No, no, no. Eden was the launch point from which humans were to take the beauty of Eden out into the rest of the world. It's as if the rest of the world is an unfinished project, a wilderness. And they were tasked with work to cultivate the ground and to develop cultures and societies and communities all built into a sustainable ecosystem of culture and nature, society and the natural environment. And when humans get this right, the whole world flourishes and, as we so often see on our TV screens and in realities, you know, when we get this wrong, everything suffers. All the damage of the environment that we're experiencing today is because we failed in this third purpose to take responsibility, to steward the world in a good way. This is not just raw material to turn into profit. This is our home. We were set up to rule this world in the image and likeness of God. You know, this world is so beautiful and so broken all at the same time. Now, why is this? From taxes to terrorism to coronavirus to Love Island, something's gone wrong with this world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. What is it about this world that's wrong? Well, you have to find the answer from our origin story. Genesis 3, we suddenly find that the story takes a turn for the worst, as in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve hear a different voice. They've heard the voice of God that can be trusted, but now they hear the voice of a serpent, a snake in the grass. Whether you think it's mythological or literal, in a sense, that's not the point. The point is we all hear this voice of temptation. We all know what it is to be tempted to turn away from trusting God and to assume that we can find our own way and we know best. Well, the serpent says, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no, he didn't. He gave them permission to eat from every tree. Just one tree was forbidden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent tempts them. He says, God's keeping you from fulfilling your dreams, from living the life, you know, turn away from God and you'll find yourself. How tempting does that sound? How much is that still the line that fools us? Because as they take the forbidden fruit, it looks so attractive on the outside, but as they bite into it, it's rotten on the inside. And suddenly the world, like this tree, comes crashing down around them. Their relationship with God is ruined. In fact, they have to hide from him. They feel fear for the first time. Their relationship with each other is fractured. They suddenly realize that they're naked. Previously, they'd been so at home in the world, they didn't notice, but now they're covering themselves up. And finally, they face death. Such suffering and sin that's entered the world at this point that it culminates in death. There's something about life in this fallen world, and we know it wasn't meant to be this way. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. The final part of this scene is that Adam and Eve are told to leave. They've been dwelling in this beautiful Garden of Eden, but now they're banished, exiled, out of the garden, into the wilderness of the world that we inhabit, a world that's fundamentally fallen. You know, life in this fallen world can feel like an uphill struggle, can't it? Pain and loss and suffering. But life is not a zero-sum game. According to the Bible, there is hope, and it's spoken right at the beginning in Genesis 3.15, God has just pronounced curses, but then he speaks this hope. He says, one is coming, the offspring of a woman, he will crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent will strike his heel. 
Mysterious, isn't it? What is that on about? Well, someone born of a woman, a human, is going to bring an end to evil in this world, but in the process, he will have to take the deadly poison himself. Of course, this points to Jesus, the Messiah, the hope of the world. He's gonna come into the story. And as a result, what started as a good world, we're gonna find our way back there by the end of the story because of Jesus in the middle. Paradise lost will be regained. There is hope over the horizon. Thank you, Dr. Andrew Ollerton. And that talk was based on material taken from Andrew's book called The Bible, A Story That Makes Sense of Life. It's an excellent book, really easy to read, with something to offer everyone, the believer, the skeptic, or anyone who's just a bit confused. You'll find it in Church's Bookshop at the side entrance to St. Thomas's Church here in Douglas. They're open from 11am to 5pm every day except Sunday. And there's a video of Andrew's talk where you can actually see him walking in the Brecon Beacons, and that's on YouTube. Search for Wild Bible and you'll find it quite easily. Creation sings the Father's song He calls the sun to wake the dawn In round the course of day Till evening falls in crimson rays His fingerprints and flakes of snow His breath upon the spinning globe He charts the eagle's flight Commands the newborn baby's cry Stand and sing Hallelujah Fill the earth with songs of worship Tell the wonders of creation's King Creation gazed upon His face The ageless one with his own composition, Creation Sings. It was following the breakdown of her own mental health that Manx-born Ruth Rice founded Renew Wellbeing, cafe-style safe spaces where everyone is welcomed and gently encouraged to find their own pathway to mental health. Each week, Ruth pops in to share with us another letter from her personal alphabet of well-being in the hope that what's good for her might be good for us too. Today we've reached the letter O, and it comes with a word of warning. 
there was a time in my life when I was really seeking God, asking God for the direction for my life. And, you know, there's lots of talk if you've grown up around churches of just like pushing a door or just pushing the door and, and see if it'll open. I, I, my theory on that is it wasn't really in the Bible, that, that whole concept. And if you pushed hard enough, you could open any door. And and because sometimes I'm very hard of hearing when I'm asking God for stuff because I'm so busy talking, there was this, I felt like it, he kept saying to me something about open doors, looking for open doors. And so literal am I that I then got in touch with Open Doors, who are a wonderful, wonderful charity supporting persecuted Christians. And I was way down the line towards going on a, a trip with them to Jordan and, and working with them before I really listened and heard that what God was saying to me and was happening around me was he was opening doors into working with mental health teams for us to have these amazing well-being spaces, that the open doors was not a literal open doors, but it was these opening opportunities for me. So I suppose what I'm saying is, be careful, listen carefully, listen once, listen twice, ask him to make it clear. And God is so kind that he will make it clear and he won't let you trip up and go down the wrong path. I'm really grateful that O in my life is for open doors. Creation longs for his return When Christ shall reign upon the earth The bitter wars that rage Our birth pains of a coming age When he renews the land and sky All heaven will sing and earth reply Before we run out of time, let's take a look at our notice board. Today's the final day of celebration of the 200th anniversary of St. Paul's Church in Ramsey, but there's still time for you to enjoy their flower festival and a fascinating display of rarely seen memorabilia and photographs of old Ramsey. St. Paul's remains open today until 4 o'clock. And in Dorby, there's Taze worship in St. James's tonight at half past six. Everyone's welcome to this quiet, reflective worship with scripture and Taze chants. St Thomas's Church here in Douglas, just off the promenade by the Gaiety Theatre, have a concert every Wednesday evening at a quarter to eight, with free admission and refreshments afterwards. And this week, the 24th, Londu Male Voice Choir, conducted by Jenny Garrett, will provide the entertainment. Thursday night summer concerts in Port Erin continue this week as Castletown Metropolitan Silver Band provide an evening's entertainment in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin at quarter to eight. Admission is free and you're welcome to stay for refreshments in the hall after the concert. Two churches are offering refreshments during the Manx Grand Prix. On Friday the 26th, Saturday 27th and Monday the 29th of August, people of Selby Methodist Church will be serving refreshments to spectators at Selby Bridge. They'll be at the top of St Jude's Road, so it's easily accessible off the course. 
And once again, Bride Church Hall, famous for its TTTs, will be serving MGPTs later this week with the addition of soup and rolls on the menu. They're open daily from 11am to 5pm from Friday the 26th of August until Monday the 29th of August inclusive. And finally, looking to next Sunday, there'll be a welcome service for a new circuit minister. She's Reverend Joanna Smart and the service will be next Sunday at half past ten in the Methodist Church in St John's. With a warm welcome for all as we wish Reverend Joe a long and happy ministry with us. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back in the studio tonight from nine with sundown. I'd love you to join me if you can. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Mm-hmm.